I'm Mike Gorman, and you're listening to the Celtics Pod podcast for Celtics Blog. Here's your host, Adam Taylor. Popping everybody, happy Friday! Welcome back to the Celtics Pod podcast with me, your boy Adam Taylor. As usual, I'm joined by my homie, my compadre, my co-host in crime, Mr. Greg Manakis. Got it in one this time. Took me a few different episodes to get back to the used to saying, Greg. <laughs> I'm happy to be here, man. Uh, two pods in a row without our guy Will. You know, we feel a little naked without Will here, but uh, he should be back. I think. I think he's traveling. I think he's in Oregon right now. That dude just travels all the time. But this is a work trip. He's not. He's not doing it for fun. Don't let him fool you. Not all of his trips are just leisure trips. Yeah, but he's a globetrotter, dude. Look, he he's always he's always somewhere, right? You speak to him and he's like, I'm in Oregon or I'm in Brazil or I'm in Mexico. Or I'm mm-hmm. just like, man, you live a life, dude. It's just he it's, does. It, you're living, that's the difference, right? Like, and then I go on Instagram during the summer, I see y'all just kicking it in a pool somewhere. I'm assuming it's at <laughs> one of your houses. Yeah, that's my childhood home. We had like the one pool in Dorchester. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. I this, thought you were like, in Texas with those houses. They were nice. No. Pools. Yeah, that was that was my yeah, that was my parents' crib. Um, so when I was a kid, that was the place that we would. I think when I was in maybe sixth grade, we got we got the pool installed, um, and then we would have you know pool parties for the little league team and the summer league team. Always always over there. And then as we got older, people would pool hop and they jump the fence, and we'd like wake up in the middle of the night and just hear a splash in the backyard. God. (laughs) <laughs> who is it? My dad would always just like blame me and assume it was one of my friends or somebody that I knew. And it usually was. See, we need to be careful here because now people are just going to fly a drone over, see the one pool in Dorchester and be like, that's Greg's parents. Huh? <laughs> well, I think, I think Dorchester's come up a little bit since, uh, since I was younger. I think there are more pools in Dorchester these days, but it's not really cost efficient, right? There's not enough months out of the year to have a pool. But I think my parents, because I don't know if you're familiar with Dorchester, but there can definitely be some rough parts of it. And if you're out just like hanging out in the neighborhood, you're definitely going to get in some trouble more than a few times. You know, I had to run away from the cops when I was a kid. And I think having the pool was a way to keep all of us like at home more, especially in the summertime. Yeah, it was just a way to keep us safe and keep an eye on us. My mom can't swim, though. So the pool's only like five and a half feet. Yeah, you don't need it deep. As long as you can float and do some fun basketball things, you're fine. Man. Exactly. I don't know if it was actually safer to have the pool at five and a half feet because we still did flips. We still dove into it, right? It's just like less room for us to not break our necks. Well, you were little then, so like there was little, like you didn't cover as much ground as quickly. Now, I would definitely not recommend doing flips, right? <laughs> now I sink like a freaking stone. <laughs> Just poof, straight to the bottom, like, ah, man, I grazed my leg. I'm telling you, though, man, like, yeah, it's similar here, right? Like, you guys get some gnarly winters. So, what do, do you cover it over? Is it heated or does it freeze? So, it, there is the heating. Um, so, like, now, because my brother and sister both have little kids. Like my dad, just like when, whenever it's open, it, the, it's like a jacuzzi. It's super warm. Um, but in the wintertime, yeah, there's a, there's a cover on it. I think it's probably around, it's probably covered up by now. I would say like uh, first couple of weeks in September, they start putting the cover on it for sure. No ice hockey. No, <laughs> I can't skate, dude. What? My dad was a good hockey player. Yeah, my dad played, uh, I think he had a cup of, cu- cup of coffee with the Harvard team when he went to Harvard. Um, 
but he's he's in he's in my high school hall of fame for athletics he was a really good athlete no way man i can skate but like not ice skating level of skating and you just dropped it so casually by the way everybody if you missed it (laughs) greg's just like yeah, when my dad was at Harvard, like, you know, when, when my dad went to one of the most prestige, prestigious colleges in the entire world, like, just when he was there. No wonder you were the first guys to have a pool in Dorchester, dude. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, my that dad, so my dad went to Harvard and my sister went to Harvard and I did not, I didn't get in. <laughs> <laughs> so like, it's in my genes, but like, I didn't get the genes, you know what I mean? Oh man, that's hilarious. My sister went to, I know I, I didn't go to Harvard, man. <laughs> like you know my dad wanted me to be like some scientist or a lawyer here i am talking about basketball and promoting my rap show like <laughs> right <laughs> yeah, it is what it is though right man like a uh, harvard dude if i ever come i want to go to mit i want to go travel well when i come not if when i come i want to go get took around mit i want to see all the robots man well, you know what's crazy? We actually have a friend. We are we're at her wedding this summertime, um, who works in the MIT lab. So I might be able to hook that up. You just let me know. Yeah, man. I just want to be friends with a robot just for an hour, dude. Yeah, that that's the right amount of time to be friends with a robot. You don't want to be friends with a robot any more than an hour. Yeah, yeah. And if it's a robotic dragon, even better. <laughs> even better. And if I tell about- if- <laughs> Go ahead. If I give them enough time to know I'm coming. They can just manufacture me a robot dragon, like a like a keepsake. Yeah, or or a robot ostrich. No, I don't want a robot ostrich. <laughs> it's basically not a dinosaur. So I, I logged into Twitter this morning, and uh, the mayor of Boston had followed me on Twitter and Instagram. So I'm wondering if I DM her, if I DM her, maybe she could put together a robot dragon tour for me. Maybe. More importantly, maybe, maybe she could get, hook up these green cards. <laughs> right? Yeah. I, well, she is um she's a fan of of Will and I's pod. And you know, we gave her a shout the other day on Twitter. And we're we're hoping that, you know, through our connections and now your connections, we will be the premier Boston Celtics podcast in all of the land. And uh, shout least, out, shout out Mayor Wu. At least in like um at least in government. Yeah. Hey, we got you the know. connections, baby. We got the connections. I'm just like, yeah, I saw it. I was like, green cards, please, please, please send me, please send me citizenship. <laughs> jokes aside, jokes aside. So we're going to talk. I think the first thing I want to talk about today, I'm not even going to try and get the segue locked in, is I want to get into this Grant Williams stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's been a topic all the way through the off season. It's been Boston's version of Russell Westbrook in a sense that Grant Williams has been getting praise where Russell Westbrook has not. Um, kind of like your sister going to Harvard and you not, right? Like, um, <laughs> sorry, that was mean. That was, that was uh, a low blow, dude. I'm, <laughs> I'm just roll, I'm rolling with the punches now. I'm gonna, like, Yo, just love when I'm at family dinner. <laughs> right? I'm going to put that away. I'm going to put that in my pocket for a little bit. And, uh, you know, one day I'm just going to rip you apart on a pod. And you're like, where'd that come from? Like, Remember that cheap shot you took? And you, you started talking about my sister going to Harvard. I couldn't get in, but that's that's a big. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll deserve it as well. I'll hold my hands up and I'll take it, man. <laughs> but what I'm getting at is like we've spoke about this a bunch, right? But then there was two conflicting reports coming out today. So one of them was Chris Forsberg on NBC Sports Boston saying that 
the Celtics still look likely to reach out with an extension. We're talking in that 10 to 14 million range type of extension. That was what Forsberg released, who I believe to be arguably the closest media member to the team. Do you know what I mean? That has that type of information. And then on the flip side, Jake Fisher, who's more of an all-round newsbreaker, recently in his first piece for Yahoo Sports, like big congrats to Jake. I think Jake's awesome. Um, he, he goes out there and says that the Celtics don't currently have plans to make an offer, to extend an offer to Grant. So it's two conflicting reports, one from a guy who I consider to be ridiculously plugged in, and another one who's just well-sourced around the league, but obviously doesn't have the level of connectedness to any specific franchise, right? Mm -hmm. So obviously everyone ran with the Fisher report because it's negativity makes retweets, obviously. So they're not offering a contract. is always going to be bigger news than they probably would, would offer a contract. And I'll put out a tweet saying, I don't see the logic in not offering him a deal. Like there's no logic to me. And, and obviously I had some people come back with logic that I, that I thought was fair. Then I had people come back with logic that I thought was absolute utter insanity. Mm. As is social media. Where do you stand on this? Look, first, first things first, what's your take on all of this? Well, I think the Celtics should offer Grant Williams, you know, if if he wants a number that is in the Zach Lowe range that Zach Lowe dropped last year during the playoffs when Grant was just going bananas in that Milwaukee series, you know, Zach Lowe said, what is the number for him right now? Is it 20, you know, 20 million? Is that the number for Grant Williams now? And I don't think he's going to get there now. With the Celtics, I, I don't think you can offer Grant Williams much more than what Robert Williams is making right now. I just don't think it makes a lot of sense for your backup forward to be making more than your starting center. I understand that Robert Williams took a hometown discount because of the injury concerns and all of that. But I just think that probably is just like not a good look um, just within the locker room. I feel like Robert Williams should be making like roughly what Grant Williams is making. You know what I mean? So that's my first thing. Second thing is, if you're Grant Williams, maybe you're you're tuned into what's going on with the salary cap and you're like, hey, yeah, maybe 15 million for me right now. You know, that 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 seems like a lot. But if I look forward to 2025, you know, I might be making 20 or 25 million based on the salary cap going up you know, exponentially in those years. So my take is that Grant Williams deserves a contract extension. I don't know that they're going to be able to find that number right now because if I'm Grant, I'm going to bet on myself after what I did in last year's playoffs and the, you know, the improvements that he's made so far in the preseason, he's just shown a little bit more off the bounce, a little bit more versatility. And he's a guy that you, you know, is going to continue working on his game is going to continue betting on himself. So I don't expect it to happen. If it does. Um, great. I want Grant Williams in green long-term. And if it doesn't, I wish him the best. I hope he gets the money that he deserves. So the only thing I want to push back on here is saying that Robert Williams should be earning more than Grant Williams. I think that's legitimate. I don't think there's an argument to be made there. But what I do want to say is that when Robert Williams signed his deal, it was very much a gamble. It was very much a, hey, we're going to pay you a little bit less than what you're worth on the free agency market because you haven't proved you can stay healthy yet. All of the value that we see in Rob now, he he kind of boosted that through this regular season that's just gone and then showed that toughness playing a little bit hurt throughout the playoffs. So there's definitely a, it would definitely look weird on a cap sheet to see Grant earning more than Rob. But Rob's deal was always a, 
we're putting faith in you by giving you generational wealth, even though at the moment, at that point in time, you haven't shown us you can stay healthy enough to kind of earn that generational wealth. And then obviously he's gone on and proved that he was worth far more and it was a steal. Yeah. So I think that that context is important when talking about Absolutely. what Grant should earn because Grant has been healthy for pretty much his entire time in Boston. Now, granted, he's never been as impactful as what Rob was when Rob was healthy. And Grant had that absolute stinker of a second year, right? Like that's that sophomore year was real, real bad. And I think that's really hurt his his stance a little bit because now when you look at this Verger like breakout, you are like, well, is this is this just a one good year, you know? And then now we're gonna get more of sophomore Grant. Like Boston might just want to see Grant continue to produce on the floor and see where his developments have been, but. My argument is you would have seen that in training camp. You know what these guys are capable of. You know what level he was playing at last season. If he's at that level or above, then a contract extension to me shouldn't be something that you'd want to drag your heels on. And I get everybody saying, well, this is a restricted free agent. You can just match any offer sheets. But it's it's the principle of the thing, right? It's the, you didn't extend me. You wanted to wait and see what my value was before you made the decision. Like it... It just sends that it's got negative connotations to, with it when you don't extend a, a rookie extension. For sure. And I, I, I think you kind of have to draw the line, though, on players. Right. So, like, is Grant Williams someone that you're going to be concerned about, you know, offering offering the extension versus letting him go to restricted free agency? Like if you if you look at Grant as you know, a centerpiece of your future, I think you got to make that contract extension. But there are plenty of times in which players of grant status, you know, go to restricted free agency and then everything's all well and good. It's part of the business. And I think Grant understands that as well. You know, I don't think he's the type of guy that would actually hold it against the franchise, um, seemingly like as DeAndre Ayton, for example, right? DeAndre Ayton signed that offer sheet with the Pacers, the Suns match, and Ayton hasn't really been you know, happy being in Phoenix this, this, um, this preseason, right. With Grant, I don't really see that happening. I see Grant being appreciative of the fact that he's looked at, you know, as X number of dollars around the league and that the Celtics would be willing to match that to keep him in green now. But I, I, I do agree with you though, that it's, it's probably a better look to offer him extension, but I do think there is a line in which you have to draw for what type of player you're going to offer that extension to. Yeah, for sure. And I've, but my, my my concern there is it's not uncommon to f- see a core bench player as an integral piece to a team, right? Absolutely. And I, I don't think that, obviously, Grant's not a star. He's not a superstar. But in my opinion, he is one of their core bench guys. He's, like, what, seventh, eighth guy? Like he's what he's he's part of that playoff rotation. He's part of that. If we need to shorten down the rotation and go with our best eight guys, Grant Williams is firmly inside of those eight guys. And that point then, and that's eight, that's the best eight that finished two games short of an NBA championship, not the best eight that fed at the first round of the playoffs. It's a completely different level of competition. I do believe that you should be extending him. I, I think that. He is integral to this team in terms of a core bench piece. And sometimes they are just as important as your least important starter. So and you you quickly extend your least important starter because they're a starter. 
Do you, do you know what I'm saying? So I, yeah. I do think there's there's val- Grant brings a ton of value. And I, I got into a little debate earlier where I was saying to someone, like, name me some other guys that can play the four, that can slide up to the five, can slide down to the three the, on defense, guard multiple positions, shoot the corner three at a clip like Grant does. Apparently he can attack off the closeout now, so can attack closeouts, can post up the way Grant does and can run DHOs the way Grant does that you're going to get for 10 to 14 million. Like, who else is out there that can do bring you what he brings for such a reasonable amount of money? And don't include PJ Tucker. <laughs> so, and, what would what would the number be? What would you be comfortable with? I mean, I, I'd be. I think fifteen's my my like we're overpaying, but I'm okay. That's my cutoff. Yeah, I, I think we're reasonable. It's like twelve point five, right? So four years, fifty mil. Yeah, I, I think that's perfectly acceptable. It's general generational wealth. And it's also very, very comfortable if you do choose to trade him down the line. It's a super tradable contract. Uh, I think everybody wins at 12.5. For sure. Yeah, I'd I'd be comfortable going up to 15 as well. I think anything over than 15, that's probably, you know, where Grant is going to have to play it out. He's going to have to test the market if he wants more than 15. Um, But I, you know, I I wish him the best, man. I, I want him to earn the money. Um, obviously, you know, it's not my money. I want Grant to get paid. Um, I don't, I don't think he's going to make more than I would say on the open market. I think he'd max out probably around 18. There might be a team out there. If, if he has another really good year shooting 40% from the corners, um, defending the likes of Kevin Durant in in high leverage situations, I think Grant's definitely going to get some, going to get some suitors out there this summer. I, I don't really know. I'm not Keith Smith. I don't really know the cap sheets of everybody going into next uh, off season, but Grant's a good player and he's going to get paid. So I always worry about the chess game, right? And what I mean by this is assuming Grant, say Grant has a really good season this year. He, they don't extend him. He's going into restricted free agency. He he puts up an even better season than what he did last season. So now you can see this linear growth. He's improving year on year, right? There'll be a team out there that knows that Boston's going to match whatever offer sheet comes in. So they'll make a big offer just to kind of mess with Boston's salary cap. Yeah. You know, because if I if I was a GM, I'd be like, right, then I know they're gonna match. I'm gonna go in at 22 a year for four. And then Boston match, and now all of a sudden you're paying almost 10, well, yeah, you're paying $10 million more a year because you waited. And obviously that's, for Grant, that's the best case scenario. For Boston, that's the worst. And there is situations where you could flip it and Grant gets worst case scenario and Boston gets best. But that chess match between GMs, that interests me a lot. And that all depends on Grant's play. Grant's got to earn the right to be used as a chess piece in that instance, right? But at the same time, Brad should be looking to avoid that as much as possible. Thinking like a GM, Adam, this, this might be the way that we get you over stateside. I'll, I'll, I'll do that. <laughs> You're putting I'll, in the work, my friend. You're putting in the work. I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> so moving on, moving on. Yeah, in my opinion, extend Grant. What's your final opinion on this? Yeah, extend Grant up to 15 mil. Yeah, I'm down. I agree with that completely. Next up on the docket of conversational topics, Celtics play the Raptors. Um, today, by the time everyone's listening, we're recording this a little bit earlier than usual, but still, the Celtics play the Raptors. In fact, I'm going to release this on when on Thursday. So the Celtics play the Raptors tomorrow. All right. I like it. Yeah, the Celtics play the Raptors tomorrow. And 
we have some questions. So the que- first question I've got, and then you can fire back any questions you've got as well. Do we see these training camp guys get an extended run like they did in game three against the Hornets? And I say game three because it was game three of the preseason. So you're saying extended being playing a majority of the game? Or just playing, you know, anywhere anywhere north of 12 minutes. So that, that's kind of, you know, it's an interesting question because the Celtics haven't played in a week. You want them to have some rhythm going into game number one against the Sixers on Tuesday yep. of next week. So, like, they need to play, right? They need to play at least, I would say, the first half of this game if they want to maintain a rhythm. And that's the reason why Jalen Brown played in the last game against the Hornets because he wanted to keep a rhythm. So I would expect the starters in the normal rotation to play at least the first half. Personally, I would like to see them play the first three quarters um, just so we can get an understanding of what the rotations will be um, in Missoula to kind of figure out which guys are in that rotation, which guys are not. What what does that rotation look like coming out of halftime if he has to make an adjustment? All of those things just interest me. It doesn't have to happen in this preseason game, though. Obviously, it's an 82-game season. Missoula can experiment all he wants during the regular season. But as you know, as a fan, that's something I'm looking forward to. If it doesn't happen, I would say the first half at minimum, uh, yeah, minimum for for the normal rotation, and let the end of the roster guys play it out in the second half. Let's say so you. I'd like starters play first and fourth. I want them to open the game. I want them to close the game because those okay. are always the two two. In my opinion, those are the two most difficult quarters of the game, setting mm-hmm. the tone and then fighting either fighting to reaffirm the tone in the fourth or fighting to keep a comeback off the table. So how do you keep them warm in the second and third quarter? You don't, but that's where you get thrown into the wolves. And now I want to see what you're capable of. You know what I mean? We know JT going to be warm. He's going to be on the bike for the other two quarters. He's he's not JT going to be fine. Uh, That's the problem, right? But I'd like that very much. And if we do want to keep them warm, then maybe you start them. You start that starting five for the first four minutes of the second so they're a bit more limber right for, sorry four minutes yeah. of the third um so you could do that but my point my my concern is you've got three guys now pretty much in layman jackson and Van Lee. they mm-hmm. all believe that they probably deserve a roster spot now first things first none of them might earn it the, the other teams with guys on training camp deals that are going to get waived Boston might like more than they like any of the guys they've currently got. Don't ask me who, because I don't have an answer for you, but I'm just saying that's a viable option. Mm-hmm. But you've got three guys here that have been through training camp. Jackson was with them through summer league as well. So Van Lee has been impressive, I'll admit. And Jake Lehman is Jake Lehman. Um, He's been okay. He's got good off-ball movement. Good. I just don't, I think that I'd rather have Hauser getting them minutes anyway. So sure why do you why do you make the direct comparison between layman and hauser because i'm just kidding i'm kidding (laughs) i just think layman's a more complete version of hauser without the shooting they play very similar games if hauser had layman shooting he would be like an integral piece of a bench unit on a contending team because i think layman had hauser shooting no if hauser had layman's off ball movement off ball movement okay yeah, because I think Layman is exceptionally good at moving off ball, but it's kind of it's kind of like a moot point because he can't he doesn't have the end product of a jump shot 
whereas Hauser does. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, it's either way, right? If Lehman had Hauser shooting, if Hauser had Lehman's off-ball movement, either way, they're going to create this complete sniper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and those guys, but if if it's come down to those three, I think I'm more in line with you, Adam. I would probably want Jackson uh, for the wing depth, but then you got to take a look around the league. Basically, to me, it's like, do I want Jackson for wing depth right now? Because, um, you know, we don't have a lot of wing depth, or is there another guy out there that we might be able to sign later in the year? I don't know if that guy exists right now. It's not AJ Reeves, as we found out. AJ Reeves will be playing in Maine. Uh, Vonley to me is a little bit redundant on this roster. I do like what he has done in the preseason, I think he's been um, very solid. He's a good rebounder, he moves well. Uh, He understands defensive positioning. He's got a little bit of a jump shot. Doesn't really stretch the floor vertically or anything like that, but he's solid, right? He's someone that you know each and every time you put him on the floor, you are going to get pretty much this baseline performance of what Noah Vonley offers. Jackson, probably a little bit more uh, volatile in terms of what the expectations are when he gets on the court because he's a shooter, right? He's a sniper, and sometimes those snipers, if they don't hit their first couple shots, it feels like they had the worst game ever, and really it's just they got three opportunities to shoot and they didn't make them all, right? So with Vonley, you kind of know what you're getting. Jackson, those games where he doesn't he doesn't shoot well, it's going to feel like he doesn't play well. And then Lehman, to me, I mean... I don't know if he played volleyball before, but I feel like Jake Lehman should probably be thinking about making the transition to volleyball. He's a good basketball player, but I don't know if it's, he's going to cut it in the NBA. Can you make money playing volleyball? I don't know. Let us know, listeners, loyal listeners. Have you ever played volleyball? If so, did you stack that paper? We, we inquir- Inquiring minds want to know. I just want to make a side note. You tried to talk me into watching AJ Reeves' film yesterday. We are... Uh, <laughs> Come off recording Tuesday's podcast. No, Wednesday's podcast. We come off recording Wednesday's podcast. And I kind of toyed around with a little bit of AJ Reeves' film. I watched a little bit of a Providence game. And then I woke up this morning with every intention of diving headfirst into that film. And I am so glad I checked Twitter before I did because I would have been very upset. <laughs> I would have been very upset. And that yeah. was when. It was, it, was, it was a nice thing that the Celtics did for him, though, right? I didn't understand why. And then I saw people, I think it was Keith tweet, tweeted about it. But a lot, you know, signing him to that deal and then waiving him so that he goes and plays with Maine allows him to make, I think it's like $50,000 or something. So to your point earlier that you were saying about like the the optics of offering Grant the extension, I think that also kind of, you know, AJ Reeves, obviously he's a, he's a guy that might never make the NBA, but taking care of a local product and someone who they seem to like and that, you know, they can give him a chance to make a teacher salary, which is always kind of the dream. You know, when I, when I was growing up, I was like, if I could make a teacher salary playing basketball, then, hey, let's, let's go for it. So AJ Reeves got that. Is that a lot of money out there? Stateside? 50K? Yeah. No, I wouldn't say it's a lot of money. But you live comfortable? Depends where you're living, dude. So that's in what Boston. In Boston, absolutely not. I'm in Maine, no, probably. I've seen the Boston prices. You're not living comfortable on 50 million? <laughs> you know what I'm saying there's people out there on 20 million a year like dude I'm broke I live in Boston um, yeah Maine probably but no I think that it was a nice thing that they did and obviously they've I think Sam Anich is going to be there too they might send somebody else there I, I didn't they sign and wave a 7 foot guy earlier today and do the same thing 
I did. I missed that. I don't know. I, think, I don't even know what his name was. Let me pull his name off. I did see, but the name just kind of eludes me right now. And I'm sure I can find it quickly enough. But it was a seven foot dude. And I'm pretty sure they signed him to an exhibit 10 and then just waved him. Hmm. And I don't know what his name was, but it's definitely going to be there. People can tweet at me. It was something I saw in passing and I didn't really register it too much because I was like, just another big guy for me. Main are going to be fun to watch this year. I'm going to be watching a lot of G League board, apparently. Hey, man, <laughs> tune in. If, you, if you're if you ever uh, doing any film work on on AJ Reeves on, <laughs> on the main Celtics, you let me know. I will uh, I will pop in for a couple minutes and see what you're doing. See how you entertain yourself when you're doing film studies. That's how I entertain myself, period. That's my, uh, that's my pastime. Hey, I respect, I respect the hustle, dude. Uh, one more thing I wanted to touch on. Uh, Chris Mannix released an article with SI. I know we haven't, we both haven't had a chance to read the whole thing, but a couple of takeaways. So Adam, I know you haven't even had a chance to glance at it yet, but it kind of breaks down how the Celtics were processing the finals loss last year. And he, he has a whole section about Jason Tatum and a whole section about Jalen Brown dealing with the rumors. And one thing that stood out to me was how hard Jason Tatum took that loss. I know there have been other reports and Tatum's been on podcasts and stuff talking about how how difficult it was for him. But it says that he for two weeks, he pretty much just like went off the grid. He didn't even talk to his trainer, Drew Hanlon. He didn't respond to anybody. He's kind of been you know, taking that loss very hard, even into his workouts over the summertime. He seems to have developed the word that Mannix used is a more surly attitude, right? And if Jason Tatum has learned from that finals loss that he needs to have that killer instinct that Ime wanted him to have when, when he first took the job, man, watch out for the NBA because Jason, that's the the biggest thing with Jason Tatum is just having that elite mentality. I don't know if you've watched the redeem team documentary yet, but that Kobe mentality that he, he just brought to the, all those dudes when they all went partying and they came in and Kobe's working out at four, four in the morning, they're coming back all tender from, from a night out on the, on the, town. I love how that's what that's uh that's a, <laughs> it's sticking right i'm gonna use it it's great it's great but yeah what are your what are your thoughts on um on tatum and then secondly have you had a chance to watch the redeem team doc and it's question number two first no i have not had the chance to watch that i wanted to watch it on the weekend while i was tender and i wanted to enjoy it so it's this it's on the docket for this weekend to answer question number one yeah i think mentality is a big thing for tatum i think that if he can get that snarl, that kind of like that game face and and it not be a poker face, but it just be him, right? That Kevin Garnett type of mentality of, you know, we can, we can be friends, but not for the next 48 minutes. For the next 48 minutes, I'm trying to put you in jail. I want to lock you up and you're not going to do anything to me or to my team. If he can come in with that mentality and find a level of consistency early, because he even said in a post game, I think it was after game two of the preseason, he was like, you all know I start off slow. And I'm like, yeah, everybody knows that, but you should be trying to like crack that narrative, man. Yeah. Like starting like we the Celtics need you to be hot early and but then again, do they? Whatever. But my men, what I'm trying to get at is don't be don't be willing to accept starting slow. If you've really turned a corner and became this new version of Jason Tatum, this this gamer, the guy that really, like, is going to win at all costs, then every slow game should be eating away at you. And because that's the mentality that Mannix is putting out there right now in this article, right? That, you know, there's this whole new 
what was the word you used? Surly. There's a whole new surly attitude and demeanor. Well, then I want to see that from game one of the regular season because that killer ring distinct needs to be their games one for 150 million. You know what I mean? It needs to be there the entire rest of your career, not just hope and pray that you can tap into that when the chips are down and we're late in games in the postseason. Because by then it might be too late. You need to work on it and hone it and develop it. Yeah, there was a, there was also something, I, th- I think it was in the pregame show of one of the preseason games where they asked Tatum and Brown what they admire about the other person. And I don't know if you caught this segment, but Tatum said about Brown, he said that he's really impressive because he can pretty much manifest what is going to happen at the start of a game. It's like, hey, JT, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to drop 15. I'm going to go. I'm going to go cover this guy. And then Tatum was like, yeah, and he goes out and he does it. It's amazing to me how he can just like make that happen, <laughs> which is just funny to me about that. You know, at this conversation, it kind of makes sense that Tatum, for whatever reason, has kind of accepted seemingly through the quotes that this is just what happens. He starts slow. But I'm wondering if um, if Missoula is able to figure out a way to unlock Tatum and kind of break him out of that, break him out of those habits and those slow starts within the first couple of games, getting him some easy buckets, maybe getting him out in transition. And to your point about the mentality and the Kevin Garnett snarl, maybe it's on the defensive end. Maybe Jason Tatum comes out first couple of weeks of the season and he's just focused on being a defensive stopper, maybe. And then he gets some buckets in transition and then everything falls into place. But it's going to be really fun to watch Tatum um, tomorrow against the Raptors. And then Tuesday, man, game one, right around the corner. Against Embiid and Harden. And Maxi, And Maxi. How would you say that in a Boston accent? I I, I just think you say Maxi, But you, Maxie. you, you just throw a Maxi. It's like, uh, dude, they got Harden. They got Maxi. Maxi, dude, that kid, that kid's special. That kid's special. He can really stroke it from deep. <laughs> Fair enough. You can just t- see if Tatum can turn on and off that mentality, like you can turn on and off that Boston accent. We're golden. The Celtics are going to, to the finals, baby. But it's a lot harder to change your mindset midway for a game. I remember Definitely. a few weeks back, I was fortunate enough to speak to Dino Raja. And I asked him, I was saying, I asked him what his thoughts of Jason Tatum were having been around, you know, played with Larry, played against Jordan, but I said, what, looking from the outside, what are your thoughts on Tatum? And he was like, he's got, he's got the potential to be as good as Kobe. And like, if he works at it, right. And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, yeah, but to be as good as Kobe, you need to be as aggressive as Kobe. And I think that's the word. And I'm not saying, look, I'm going to like mentally aggressive. And we're going to see if Tatum's took that lesson to heart or not in the next few months. Personally, I still think he's one of the elite players in the NBA and he's going to figure it out. I've got like, I probably my favorite, well, no, unquestionably my favorite player in the league. Um, so I, I know he's going to figure it out. I've just got that faith, but I definitely like more aggression from him. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I'm, um, a JB guy first and foremost. So you can be the Tatum guy. I'm the Jalen guy, but together we are something special. We're going to leave it there because Greg just went all lyrical on us. Everybody, if you've enjoyed the show, catch us again on Monday when we'll be previewing the Sixers game. I was meant to do this at the top of the show. I'm going to start leaving a note. I've got like a little post-it board behind my, behind my screen. So I'm going to put that's my bad, dude. I, I, going into the last pod, 
just like Jalen Brown is able to do that, right? Where he's able to say, I'm going to start start the game this way. I told myself, I said, I'm going to make sure I tell Adam to promote the show at the beginning of the show. I didn't say that to myself coming into this pod. It's my fault. I should know though. You know, it should just become a habit. Do you know, I'm going to avoid it for this one. I'll just make sure I punish myself by not saying it at all. So everybody will catch you on Monday ready for the Sixers game. Peace, y'all. Peace. Ain't disrespecting you haters, I ain't sweating your opinion Y'all been testing my patience, never did it for a check I've been impressed with the famous, just rather be creative Than stressing my wages, ageless Every time I lay a verse down, one play at a time Keep it moving like a first down And at the end of the day, I can say that I made this MJ never made it to the major, still he chased greatness Expected that he might fail, and I might too I might never get to pop champagne Celebrating with the crew, this ain't everything I am It's something that I do